Dyke centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This hour of Flames Talk is underway. It's the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Unlock your home with the touch of your phone. Upgrade to smart locks online at calgarylockandsafe.com with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. It's Pat Steinberg with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wes, uh, I don't know if you, you, you were in Hawaii, so I just want to refresh you a little bit as to what the topics have been. Now, I know you've been back for a week or so, but I really want to make sure that you understand the goaltending. that. Goaltending's been a bit of a hot topic around these parts. Really? Not sure if you were aware of that. Um, look, it's been, I would suggest that goaltending and the frustrations that have gone along with the position this year has been maybe the number one story kind of that has been the theme of the year no question that huberto and and his struggles maybe yeah in terms of start to finish i think those would be the two and i think goaltending would be the one that that is at the very top of the list so far 54 games into the year it's been a story since the beginning of the season as a uh relatively young lad one of my good friends had the Family Feud game. I can't remember which Nintendo it was for, but if you went out and polled people, what's been the biggest storyline around the Flames this season? Family Feud style? It'd be like 87 out of 100 would say goaltending. No? Yeah. yeah. Show me goaltending! <laughs> Show Number me one answer! Uh, it's true. Like, it has been that type of year, and for for good reason. It's been a hot topic coming off the Ottawa loss. It's been a talking point all year. Vladar's workload. Should it be more Markstrom's workload and Markstrom's struggles? And I, we're 54 games in. That's 65-ish percent of the way through, a little bit more. I don't think the final 34.5% of the season, I don't think that's going away. I don't think the goaltending conversation is close to dissipating anytime soon no it can't and, and i think you know where we were all hanging on every word that daryl sutter had to say on the topic this morning and and listen when when we expect daryl sutter to zig he typically zags i don't think anyone showed up at the saddle dome expecting he was going to declare dan vladar as starter we know there's not a question that makes him bristle more than who's your starting goalie tomorrow Maybe injuries, maybe. Yeah, survey says. Yeah, again, that would be one of those like if you're doing fast money, one or the other. Like one would get you forty two, the other would get you thirty eight. Yeah, yeah, that's key. You need your your brother or or your cousin who's up next to yeah yeah get that number two answer. Yeah, yeah, that's important. Um, yeah, it's not going away, and it there. I would say to you. There is nothing that could happen tomorrow against the Detroit Red Wings that would make it go away. Jacob Markstrom starts and gets a shutout. Wouldn't go away. Jacob Markstrom starts and has a tough outing. Doesn't go away. Dan Vladar starts and has a really strong outing. 
doesn't go away. Dan Vladar starts and stinks. Doesn't go away. Ebug, I believe Colin Cooper goes in and gets a win. Doesn't go away. We're talking about it any which way. Yeah. It's uh it's a story that's going to continue. Let's hear uh let's hear a little bit from the head coach because uh our buddy Eric Francis and Wes Gilbertson uh you know asked asked a few questions to Daryl about the goaltending after practice on Wednesday and you know, some philosophy questions and, and just listen, I don't know if Daryl bit on any of the uh, desired routes, but still, I thought there was some interesting stuff in here. Here's how the head coach has seen his goaltending as he spoke after practice on Wednesday. I'll just ask you, Flood, are you getting good enough goaltending lately? I think our goaltending this year has been streaky. If you look at it, both our goalies, if you look at it from the start of the year, uh, you know, like, you know, just check, but um, I'm just thinking off the top. Uh, I think Marky wins like four of his first five, or f- right in there, five of the first six, and uh, and then you go into early November, and that's where, quite honest, where we struggled. If you look at it, uh, late October and a couple of weeks in November, there's probably seven or eight games where our goal team was not where it needed to be. And then, um, and then I remember talking after was it like the first quarter, the games, the ratio started games, and then since so then we really dug in on that and adjusted it more, so that um, probably I'm going to say since, and then it, then then also in that marquee, like before Christmas, that's also you know where you start getting close to that halfway mark. Marquee was really hot in there and then once January rolled around then we started looking at more starts and the schedule and recovery all that stuff and then Vladdy got hot so if you look at it, it's been real streaky both sides so you use the word adjustment in, in your answer just there now too like you adjusted when Markstrom was kind of having some problems you spelled him off for a little while and Dan carried the ball yeah you gotta look at it because I don't know the, I don't have in front of me the after 20 games, the start ratio, uh, we, you know, it's, and I know in the league, quite honest, going into this week, um, that ratio of starts in the league is, other than there's five, probably five guys at the top and five guys at the bottom that blow it away one way or the other, not playing or playing, I'd say that uh, we're right. But probably a lot of teams are saying the same thing, quite honest, when you get into that low 30s and low 20s ratio, which is what we are. And there's a reason for it. That's because it's streaky. Does it make you reconsider your starting assignments? You know, right now, for example, Markstrom's not, he's in a bad streak somewhat. Would you consider starting Vladar more now? Like well, if you one, like, you know, I'm not getting into individual stuff. That's for people talk to players. You, you want me to transfer it through something through media that's not the way it works with me so um, if Marky would have won in Detroit no if he'd have won in uh, or if we'd lost in overtime in Buffalo and won in Ottawa then you wouldn't be saying that so if you look at there was, there's pivotal points through the season with those guys uh, and, and quite honest it's not so much Marky starts it's Vladar being able to handle when he gets three or four in a row it's the next one that you start seeing it right because he's a kid 
you start seeing things in this game, okay, got to pull that back. So it's, uh, you know, so I, I talked to Mike Vernon about this, quite honest, quite a while ago. And it's quite honest, true, the best way to answer all your questions, need two goals. So we're, that ratio is closing up for us. Can I just circle back on your conversation with Mike Vernon? Because every goalie I've ever talked to wants to play 75 games or so. What was his rationale for the importance of having two? Well, just the way, because, and that might have been every goalie you've ever talked to said that, but the schedule's quite a bit different, right? And if everybody says, well, historically that's what you've done, well, historically that's not what you've done. If you look at it, it's come it's those guys who play that there's a minute number that's the, that's a number that's kind of maxes guys out and and so then you want them you know it depends where you're at with your organization right there's some teams that'll play guys 70 games but they're in the lottery the way the league is now I mean so it's quite a bit different the league is much more even so than at any point it's ever been so it's probably better with your schedule to you know, if you could, if you could ever get into that fifty thirty or that, you know, in that split area, and that's that's kind of where we are. So, do you, do you have enough? Like, have you seen enough of Dan at this level to know what his minute number is? Is he is a young goalie? I mean, so not really. I mean, it says I just said the goalies have both been streaky. So it's, it's streaky because they're young, streaky, whatever. Right? There you go. That is head coach Daryl Sutter Wednesday after practice. So you had Eric and uh, asking a few questions about goaltending, and and Wes, you you asked a couple there at the end as well. Not um, not a lot of biting, right? Like he, Eric asked about, are you thinking about going more to Vladar? Wouldn't bite. That at the end there, you kind of asked a similar question. He wasn't biting on that. But I I did find like he admitted that yeah it's been streaky this year it has not been it has not been consistent and that's when you take a look at their goaltending the twenty sixth best save percentage in the NHL they're at eight ninety one now that includes some empty netters in there but uh, so the but eight ninety one and they're twenty eighth at five on five save percentage which is to me maybe the most telling of all it's where you play the vast majority of hockey. They are 28th in the NHL at 5-on-5. Five five. And and I know that we're all pushing, and you and I are probably on the same page. I'm not exactly sure, so tell me if I'm wrong. But I think that we're on the same page, that you know Dan Vladar starting more in the final 28 games, at least for the time being, is something that needs to be done. But as a tandem, they're 28th at 5-on-5 five five when it comes to their save percentage. And Vladar is not in the top 20 himself in 5-on-5 five five save percentage. So goaltending was, I think, something that we all looked at as a strength coming into this year. It has not been the strength this season that we thought it was going to be. So I understand why Daryl wasn't biting on how he's going to use his goaltenders for the rest of the year. But I did find uh, I did find some of what he said there quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And it... It was going to do nothing for Daryl Sutter to come out today and pile on Jacob Markstrom. And so for him to answer questions the way he did to to repeatedly reiterate that goaltending for both guys has been streaky, I don't think that should come as any surprise. But I, I'm glad you made the point you just did because 
I think this conversation sometimes gets skewed a little bit where I think when you have discussions with some people, it sounds like Dan Vladar is having this incredible season and Jacob Markstrom's having this awful season. It, it gets talked about, I think, sometimes as polar opposites, and that's not the case. Even in the run that he's been on, Dan Vladar's 10, let me not screw up these numbers, 10, 1, and 3 in his last 14 games. That's correct. Right? Getting the results, absolutely, you don't question that part of it. His save percentage in that specific stretch is 904. That's league average. And you'll take league average, especially when the other guy has not been giving you that. But we're not talking about one guy who has been standing on his head. And here's the part that I thought was really interesting today. The the biggest takeaway for me was Daryl Sutter's comment about Dan Vladar playing three or four in a row and then starting to see some cracks in his game. I thought that was fascinating. That, to me, was the biggest indication that Daryl Sutter isn't planning to just give Dan Vladar the ball to run with. To hear him say, yeah, once he plays three or four in a row, that's when you start to see signs that he's still yeah. he's still a kid, that he's still a guy in only his second full season in the league. That indicated to me, and it's not what anyone wants to hear, especially after the way Monday in Ottawa ended, but that indicated to me that this is not going to be a drastic change down the stretch. Do I expect to see a little bit more of Dan Vladar? Yeah. Could I see more of a modified win-and-you're-in scenario? Yeah. But it didn't sound like he was about to take the, the two placards on the depth chart and just yeah. switch them. Well, and I wonder, because I think that we are on the same page when talking about him needing to to play a little bit more, at least for the time being. I wonder, because you talk about, could you, could you go, you don't do this, like you don't put him in pen, but could you maybe go two out of every three Vladar starts and that allows him to play more, but maybe you don't get into the situation where the fatigue plays in or has an effect a little bit more. Maybe that's a way you go about it. And you think, because I do think that's really important. And, and I talked a little bit about this on Tuesday's show and Tuesday's pod, the ability to sustain a high level at that position when you're playing three times a week as opposed to once a week is a significant change, and not everybody in this league can do it. I think Vladar's got the chops. I'm very hopeful that he can, and I think he has got a great opportunity to be a number one in this league. I really do. The The size, the athleticism, the demeanor, and what we've seen from him so far, I think he's got the chops to do it. But until you've shown that you can do, you can play the position with as as Daryl talked about, you talked about minutes, right? And there's a, a threshold for minutes that he looks at, as opposed to starts. It's it's actual minutes played. If if he can show that, then that's awesome. But there's always that question mark. I always go back to when Riddick got that opportunity when Mike Smith got hurt, what four or five years ago, right? And all of a sudden was given that heavier workload, couldn't do it. And and I'm not saying that's good. I I think Vladar is a higher-end goaltender, higher-end prospect, and has a higher ceiling than Riddick ever did. I fully believe that. But you never know. So maybe you give it a try, and 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 maybe you do it very deliberately. And that's why it's important to have a guy like Markstrom still with you. And if if you are maybe for a few weeks or a month 
going two out of every three on average when it comes to Vladar's workload. Maybe that is the way you do it and see how that goes. Yeah, and I think this conversation can change based on, maybe not change, but I'm going to be totally fascinated by Jacob Markstrom's next start because, and I don't know when it's going to be, I don't even know that it's not going to be tomorrow, although I'll be pretty surprised if it's somebody other than Dan Vladar and the, the starters crease tomorrow. Yep. If Jacob Markstrom's next start includes another softy, if it's another tough outing, I'm going to really wonder whether he can rebuild his confidence before the end of this season. And, and it's fair to be wondering that already. So maybe this conversation changes in three days or, or in five days or, or in the back-to-back coming up in, in Arizona and Vegas. But let me just throw this at you right now. If, you know, if we're Jason LaBarbera and Daryl Sutter having this conversation and somebody suggests win and you're in, just straight win and you're in, what do you think? The only, I think, win and you stay in I'm not quite as ready to go there if you lose. Because okay. what if you play like what if you what if it's a one nothing game and you play really well? I'm sticking with that guy, right? I but I do think if you're winning, you stick with it. And you know, especially when you're talking about Vladar, who's 10-1 and 3 over a 14 game stretch, I think you stick with it if it's working. And if it doesn't work, then I think you reevaluate. If you if you lose a game, then you reevaluate. But I do think when and you stay in, and there's something to that. Unless, you know, if the, all of a sudden the fatigue, you can start to see some signs, then sure. Back-to-backs, then sure. You know, if you've won three straight and you're on the second half of back-to-back, I think that you could come out and then go back in the next one. But yeah, I think something, I like the way you put it, modified. Yeah, I think that's kind of a good way of approaching it here. I think, and I'm not sure what it takes to to rebuild or restore, or whatever word you want to use, Jacob Marstrom's game. Because I really do feel like the one goal he allowed in the first period and then overtime the other night against, sorry, the one goal he allowed in the first period in Buffalo and then overtime the other night in Ottawa, I do feel like that's a step backward for him. I do feel like we're closer to when he needed the reset in early December. But based on the fact that neither goaltender's numbers have been spectacular on an individual basis, Mm -hmm. I do think that sort of modified win and stay in can work. I think it builds some competition between the two, but I I need to see what Jacob Markstrom's next start looks like. Yep, that's fair. Just uh, doing a little bit more digging, uh, and I'll read some text in a second as well, but... Markstrom, 895, five-on-five save percentage is 54th overall. There's uh, an emoji for that, isn't there? It's the, e. the, teeth, the, the teeth emoji. Yeah, that and one's then, in my favorites. <laughs> and then Vladar's five-on-five save percentage is 910. It's 39th overall. So I think, like, I think the Flames can have better goaltending, period. And I think they will need better goaltending to be where they want to be down the stretch. But in saying that, even though Vladar is 39th at 5-on-5 save percentage, this is for guys who have played 15 or more games, by the way. I put that filter on it, so you're not getting some of the, oh, one one period, 1,000 save percentage. It's for 15 games played or more. 
Vladar 39th when it comes to his five-on-five save percentage, that's still a 15-point swing. And that's a significant swing, whether it's 39th to 54th or 1st to 15th. It's still a significant swing. And so that's why I absolutely think Vladar needs to play a little bit more. Um, But I also think you need to be smart about the way you manage it. And I just, I'm really curious to see if they go that way, and Daryl was not tipping his hand there when he spoke for about five minutes about it, wasn't tipping his hand on how he's going to manage it for the rest of the year, but you got to think they know behind closed doors that one guy does give them a better chance to win at least right now for the time being, and so I think they should, and if I were a betting man, I think that they probably will go in the direction of giving Dan a little bit more workload here down the stretch. Curious to see how he handles it. Could be a really interesting indicator, even projecting to next season. Yeah, right now, saying that Dan Vladar gives you a better chance to win is is indisputable. If you go back to whenever you want, you go back to the start of his point streak in late November, you go back to you know the new year, which is when Jacob Markstrom's sort of second really rough patch of the season has started for me. You You absolutely can't dispute that part and yet I think it's important to remember with 28 games to go you can't just write off Jacob Marston for the rest of the season either and maybe that's what Daryl Sutter more than anything was trying to tell us today when he talked about his conversation with franchise legend Mike Vernon and and how you're going to need to this team sitting right there on the playoff bubble isn't getting into the playoffs without better goaltending than they've gotten up to this point. They need that save percentage number you talked about, that team save percentage, that has to be better in the final yep. two months or they're in trouble. And I, I feel, you know, I feel bad sometimes when I see the way the reactions to Jacob Markstrom. Like, my head almost exploded the other night. Brady Kachuk is cherry picking like he's in peewee. That was awesome. The two Flames defensemen at the time have no idea that he's 50 feet behind them. You've got an all-star forward who goes in on a breakaway and goes top shelf. And all I'm seeing on social media is Markstrom's got to have that. My, My head almost exploded. I don't know how you could possibly pin that goal on Jacob Markstrom. Later in the night when you're pinning Tim Stutzla's goal on him? Sure. Absolutely. But I think Daryl Sutter knows deep down, you're not riding Dan Vladar for the last 28 and getting into the playoffs that way. And so I think a lot of what we saw today was knowing that he's got to help lift Jacob Markstrom up right now. I'm sure behind closed doors, he's made it quite clear that he needs more saves from Jacob Marster. But I think what we saw today was sort of a protective performance from the Flames head coach. Yeah, and there's absolutely something to that too. Daryl's smart enough to know what's being talked about on the outside. And he also knows that that stuff, as much as you try to block it out, that stuff can get into, uh, can get into a player's head or they hear it it can have an effect sometimes. So, no, I, I think there's absolutely something to that. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about Dennis Gilbert 
He's been a neat story. I know you, uh, I saw you sitting down with him uh, after practice, and he was that close, that close to. This is the, the news Howe we all trick, need, right? isn't it? This close to the Gordie Howe hat trick in Buffalo, hey? The. So I asked them, I, you know, we know Dennis Gilbert does not shy away from dropping the mitts. The other day, with almost 100 family and friends in attendance at KeyBank Center in Buffalo, gets the goal, gets the assist. And so I said to him at the end of our interview this morning, geez, it must have been killing you not to get the Gordie Howe hat trick. And big grin on his face, he says, I was asking around. <laughs> That's awesome. It wasn't for lack of trying. Good on him. Hey, can you just give me the fight? I could have a. I'm actually. I the Buffalo Sabers are now my least favorite team in the NHL because they would not oblige him to finish off his Gordie Howe hat trick. You're losing seven two, you punks. Could you imagine? Do the guy a favor. Could you imagine how many folding tables might have been damaged if Buffalo boy Dennis Gilbert had the Gordie Howe hat trick in his hometown? And he has had one. I asked him about this as well. He has had one in the AHL. But I I can't even imagine the the celebrations that might have uh, occurred if he'd been able to finish it off. So whatever Buffalo Sabers you are who refused, shame on you. Yep, I've got I'm I'm taking your number down. I don't know who you are, but I'm still taking your number down. <laughs> it would have been so awesome. I asked uh, I asked Daryl about it uh, after practice as well, and kind of what's allowed Gilbert to be the guy. He's He's now first man up when it comes to who comes in when there's an injury. And uh, here's what the head coach had to say following practice. With the way our defense has been this year, it's, it's you know, Tanny's been in and out, right? So he's missed three stretches. of So we've had to give guys opportunities. And you, and you take the opportunity, what's allowed him? Because he's outplayed whoever else was in there. That's, it's not that, you know what, it's a fine line. And he's... Uh, Dennis is one guy that can play both sides for us. So, and he's done it. You know, he's did it through school and did it through through uh, through his pro career. So that's allowed us a little bit of flexibility in it. Right now, he's the guy, and we've talked a lot about Mackey and what happens there. But I think Gilbert has shown that he deserves to be next man up when they need somebody to step in and they need somebody to to spell somebody off, whether it's a Tanev injury. Rasmus, by the way, Rasmus did practice, albeit on the fourth pairing, but he was at practice on Wednesday morning. So Rasmus Anderson back on the ice with his teammates. He's missed the last three games. We'll see if he plays Thursday against Detroit. But yeah. Gilbert's been a really good story. And as Daryl mentioned, he can play both sides. That's an interesting wrinkle, too. I'm curious if they think about him, maybe spell even when Rasmus is healthy. Do they think of Gilbert spelling off stone and maybe doing a Gilbert Zadorov thing, putting Gilbert on the right? I'm just, I'm, I was interested to hear him. He's pointed out a few times that they look at Gilbert as a guy who can play both sides. It would not surprise me one bit if we were talking about Dennis Gilbert a few days from now, once Rasmus Anderson is back in action, and we don't know when that's going to be. I don't think it's going to be tomorrow, but but you really never know. Anyways, it would not surprise me if we're talking about Dennis Gilbert as the seventh defenseman. The fact that they think he can play both sides, and we've heard Daryl Sutter say similar things about Connor Mackey, but the, the fact that they see his comfort level on both sides the sort of tenacity that he brings, the fact that Dennis Gilbert, I think, knows exactly what he is at the NHL level and 
has done a really good job of playing to his strengths and maybe avoiding some of his weaknesses. I think we're talking about a guy who's the Flames' seventh defenseman by this time next week. Yep, I'm with you 100%. That's why I'm watching every day at noon right now uh, what the waiver situation is looking like. And if you're going to put Connor Mackey on waivers and hope to get him through to the Calgary Wranglers, don't you want to do it before there's a Chitrin trade? Wow, that pronunciation. Chitrin. Chikrin. There are not as many CHs in Chikrin as I just (laughs) indicated. For those spelling at home. Before a bunch of defensemen start to be moved around before the deadline, before there's bottom feeders out there looking for a replacement body on their blue line, that's when I'd be trying to sneak them through waivers. Like this week, perhaps. I think makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, A few texts on the goaltending conversation just to wrap up uh, this part of it before we get to our... Pacific Division insider. This says Markstrom hasn't rebounded from the Edmonton playoff series last year. Somehow they have to get his head right. I I think a big part of it is frustration and the mental side of it. And I think it's just being human. Um, When you are frustrated, that frustration can sometimes be hard to kick. And sometimes it turns into your biggest enemy, right? Absolutely. And and I think we all make, mistakes at at work that we take home with us and i know jacob markstrom is you know in that boat when i when i realized maybe i wrote something i got a a stat wrong or i screwed something up i'm not feeling very good about it for the next 24 hours oh yeah i've been there many times yeah you you say something you get a stat wrong and you put it out on twitter and it's like it's wrong by one thing but it's not 100 percent correct i kick myself for days the the nature of of my business the newspaper industry is that if you screw something up there's 24 hours where it sits there that you can't fix it yeah and jacob markstrom must have replayed monday's overtime winner in his head a gazillion times i guarantee you there was not a more miserable person on that flight home from the nation's capital yep. the other night but that texter raises a great point. This is largely uh, an issue of Jacob Markstrom finding his confidence again. And I don't think anyone knows the exact recipe for that to happen. I don't know if he does. No, probably not. Uh, A few other texts. This says Markstrom's in his own head, has been for months. He wants it so bad, and sometimes things are more difficult when you run hot the way he does. Uh, This says your stats show the Flames would have more wins if they got average goaltending, which reiterates why Markstrom shouldn't be getting the bulk of the starts. This from Andrew. Vladar's 10-1-3, and and the Flames don't have more than a three-game winning streak. They have to play Vladar more. And finally, this year Vladar's taken a big step forward, whereas Markstrom's taken a big step back to the point where Vladar Vladar is outplaying Markstrom. His numbers after 50-plus games indicate that. You're only the number one goaltender if you're playing like the number one goaltender. And right now, Vladar is playing like the number one. All well said on the text line at 960-960 with Wes. I'm Pat. We're in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet basement? They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They are all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. 
Hey, it's George Russick. And Maddie Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. It's uh, Pat Steinberg along with you, and it's a Wednesday edition of Flames Talk, which means it's time to say hello to our Pacific Division insider, Jonathan Davis joins us now from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. Hello, Mr. Davis. How are we doing today? Doing great, Pat. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. Um, and we have some news. In the, let's, let's start with uh, some of the news in the Pacific Division, and that would be a big contract extension for Mikey Anderson and the Los Angeles Kings today. I think he's buying dinner for us tonight, Pat. Yeah, that's some good money. Talk about that. Yeah, eight-year deal, uh, $4 million a year. And, you know, I, I think it's it's a really good number for Mikey Anderson. I mean, this is a guy that bet on himself last year. He signed a one-year, $1 million deal. And I think, that, you know, a guy that's going to, you know, has got RF, you know, an RFA. And I think, that, you know, if, if he went to market, you're probably looking closer to three, maybe two and a half. But I think at the end of the day, you know, for a guy that, that plays 20 minutes a night, doesn't really score. You know, he's got two goals, I think 11 assists. Um, you know, $4 million a year, I think it, it, it's good. I, I thought originally, Pat, that it may be closer to a five-year deal uh, and that, you know, he would try to strike it, you know, you know, with the cap going up, maybe go after a bigger contract. But I think when you, at the end of the day, I don't think he's really leaving a lot of money on the table. For us, he may be leaving a lot of money on the table, maybe like $3 million in total, but I, I don't think he would be coming out more than at $5 million a year. So I, I think he, he made a, a really good decision. It's a great deal for the Kings. Um, and that is a, uh, that's a big deal for them, no doubt about it. And you know, now we're wondering whether or not there's another defenseman that will be entering the L.A. fold. They've got Mikey Anderson locked up. But what is going on with L.A. and their interest in Jacob Chikrin? I, I think that, you know, I think the big thing would be is that they, they can't agree on, on the pieces that would be going from Los Angeles to Arizona. That would be my, my initial thought on, on why we don't have a deal, because I think there's definitely interest on what, uh, you know, what Los, what Los Angeles wants. They want Jacob Chikrin, but uh, you know, it, it's whatever pieces have to go back to make it work for Arizona. I think that's, that's an issue. You know, I, I heard Elliot and Jeff talking about, you know, could there be a contract that, that L.A., you know, that Arizona does not want to have to take on? Um, so, uh, you know, for a deal that, that seemed to be on the, on the front burner on Saturday night, I think right now it, it's kind of cooled off and lukewarm. And who knows, you know, five minutes from now, uh, Pat, we may, have, we may hear the Jacob Chickens either going to L.A. or somewhere else. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, and we continue to keep an eye on that story. And uh, all the while, you know, there's also been some talk that maybe the Kings are interested in, in Vimelka out of Arizona. But all the while, Phoenix Copley just keeps picking up wins. 
He does. And it really, at the end of the day, I, I mean, that, that's, you know, ultimately, I think what you're, you know, you're, you're measured by. Um, he's got, you know, 17 wins in what, in 23 starts, I mean, 17, one and three on the year. Uh, those are some pretty darn good numbers, Pat. Uh, it, it, it's interesting, though. You know, one of the things, though, I, I'm not a huge analytics guy, but something that was pointed out to me was that someone said, go take a look at the percentage of shot attempts blocked by, T- by L.A. Kings players when Copley's in net. So I went to our friends at Money Puck, and I plugged in various numbers of games played. But when it comes to, let's say, all the games that Copley has played, 23 starts, no goalie has had more shots blocked for him than Phoenix Copley. Uh, that's not an indictment on, on Copley. It's not to take away what he's doing, but it tells you what LA is, how L.A. is playing with Copley and net. Now, I will say that two and four on the list for, you know, or high up on the list for both Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill in Vegas. Right. Okay. Well. So, you know, I think, I think the, the point being is, is that, you know, look, these are – you know, you've got goalies that, that teams feel that, hey, look, we need to help them out. You know, maybe there's not a full trust level because, you know, if you start plugging in a number pad of minimum games played like 30, uh, go take a look where Connor Hellebuck is, and he's, I think, 43rd on the list. Right. Interesting. So well, it's just, yeah, yeah. I mean, so because the argument has been is that Copley hasn't been great, and he hasn't had to be great. Yeah. And – you know his his some of his numbers are are you know taking a bit of a dip, but at the end of the day he's got 17 wins. He picked up a shutout, his first uh, shutout. Uh, so hey, uh, there's uh, you know he's doing what's been asked of him, and that's all you can ask. No doubt about it, and uh, it's it's something where it's kind of in in a lot of ways similar to what we've seen with. Edmonton's goaltending at times kind of they've they've done what they've been asked and and certainly uh that's been the case since the calendar flipped to 2023 because Edmonton's been a pretty good team in the new calendar year since January 1st started off 2023. Yeah, 719 clip will will, will definitely uh do wonders for for any for any team. Uh yeah, I mean look, since the calendar flipped they've picked up what is it? Uh, twenty-three points. Twenty-three out of a possible thirty-two points. Um, that's gonna that's gonna do you just fine. And you know, it was a bit of a stinker on this road trip. I, I have to admit. You know, you watch the game against Philadelphia, one that they lost two to one, and uh, you know, a game where they just they, they looked didn't look really good. They didn't look great. They looked awful against Montreal on, on Sunday. They looked, you know, okay, good enough against Ottawa um, and, and Detroit, but. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know it's been it's been a bit of a struggle, but they're finding a way to get points. And again, at the end of the day, that's what matters. And you know, look, there's still a lot swirling around Edmonton. You know, are you know whether it's Eric Carlson's name or or another defenseman. You know, you have to believe. I mean, you have to, but I believe that you know they're going to do something. Yeah. Well, and that's the big question. What is Ken Holland going to do? Is he going to be a blue liner? Are they going to look for more forward depth? You got to think it's going to be a blue liner at this point, right? You do. And if it's someone, you know, along the lines of Eric Carlson, well, then, you know, who's the guy that move, that gets moved out? Uh, you, uh, I mean, the first name that, for me that would come to mind is, is Tyson Berry, a guy that's really popular, you know, 
in those, you know, in that room. Uh, so that, you know, but if Eric Carlson's the guy that ends up coming in, I think, you know, they'll find a way to make it work. Yeah. Uh, it was really interesting listening to the broadcast, though, on Sunday, at least the radio call, I'm listening to Bob Stoffer, who's never short of opinions. And, I mean, Bob was pretty hard on, on, uh, on Tyson Berry. I mean, he just said he's gone through a run of late where, you know, it's a lot of muffins at the net and you can't have him on the power play. You better put Bouchard out there. And so it's going to be to see what they do. But, you know, I, I just I, I can't believe this is the same lineup, uh, the same roster that, you know, that, that plays tonight against Detroit that will be that same roster on, you know, March the 3rd or March the 4th or even sooner. Yeah. For sure. With Jonathan Davis, our Pacific Division insider, uh, NHL Network, NHL Network Radio. He joins us Wednesdays inside hockey. Well, Vegas healthy on the blue line. That's really the only place they're healthy right now. Not healthy up front. All of a sudden, not healthy between the pipes. But they do have a healthy back end all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, finally they got six blue liners back there. And and they played, you know, better of late. Uh, and, you know, so now you kind of, you know, you've got to, you've got to try to sacrifice some offense for, for defense. They've got the guys back there to do it right now for sure. So that, that definitely helps their, their situation, Pat. Um, but yeah, you have to believe that, you know, that again, Kelly McCrimmon, they need scoring help. They've got the cap space. You know, they're going to have that with, with, uh, Mark Stone's contract on LTIR. And then we'll see what happens with Logan Thompson there. Uh, you know, can they use any of that money? Um, but, you know, Kelly McCrimmon's going to make a deal, you know, and, and is it, you know, is a guy like Patrick Kane now an option? Uh, you know, I still had, you know, I had people last week, you know, through Timo Meyer's name out to you in, in some phone calls I was making. Uh, it's going to be interesting. It will be interesting. But that's another team that you have to believe that, you know, will make a move. And it's been a, you know, with their injuries, they've really struggled in the second half. I mean, they're basically playing just above 500. They've only, you know, since the calendar flipped only 66 out of a possible 30 points. So yeah. um, that's not going to cut it. They're, they're going to, they're, they're another team that you would expect Pat to be active. Yeah. I just wonder, I'm really curious how aggressive they get. I mean, last year, very aggressive guy by the name of Jack Eichel. I, I'm what, what, and we know that Kelly McCrimmon will, not be passive. I just wonder what he ends up doing. I honestly don't know what what person they end up bringing in. I just know it'll be somebody. Well, yeah, and the problem, you know, just not a lot of draft capital left. So, sure, that that definitely makes makes it tough on Kelly McCrimmon. Yeah. Um, moving to Seattle, where all of a sudden they and I know they picked up a point. They've got what three points in their last two games, so they've been able to start turning things around uh, a little bit anyway. But they've got some beatable opponents coming up. If 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 Seattle's going to be a playoff team for the first time in franchise history, they need some points against some not so good opposition coming up. Absolutely, absolutely, they do, and they've got Philadelphia and San Jose and Detroit in there, and so. You've got to come away with a minimum, a minimum of five points uh, in those games. So that that's an absolute must for them. So we'll see, you know, you know, and I just kind of wonder if, if for for them being the crack, and you know, they just kind of hit that point where, you know, guys are are getting a little tired, teams are playing them a little tougher. Uh, you know, I think a trade for this team would be really good. Just I think that that could be a boost and would be a boost that this team 
desperately needs. Not necessarily, Pat, not just on the ice, but I think inside the room just to show the players that, hey, you know, again, we believe in what's going on here uh, and and we're, we're going to help make this team better, that being management. And there's the Vancouver Canucks. They've lost five in a row. They are averaging more than five they're goals against in those games. Yeah, but it, uh, it clearly was Bruce Boudreaux's fault. Well, and Travis Green's fault. Yeah, and too. Travis Green as well. You know, so, I mean, yeah, it, it's uh, it's just tough. It's really tough. And, and, you know, look, and they played some good games. I mean, you know, look, they didn't quit against the Islanders that night. You know, that, that was that was a, a nice, nice win for for that team, you know, coming back and, 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 and beating the Islanders 6-5 that night. But then, you know, the next two games, you know, I, I can almost, you know, the, the Detroit game, the, the following, uh, you know, two days later, they lose 5-2. They lose again 6-1. I wasn't surprised about the 5-2 game. I'm sure there was so much emotion, you know, spent from that Islander game and playing their former captain. Um, but still, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, it's they've lost they've lost four or five, and, and as I said, you know, the goals are, are leaking. And, you know, but they've also got Spencer Knight and Colin Delia back there. And um, it, that's not going to help you win games. You don't have two goalie, a goalie yeah. back there that, that can steal you much. And, but the defense has been weak, and uh, structurally this, this team uh, has its issues. And you just kind of wonder how, you know, it's a group that you can see that gets themselves, that can get themselves up at times. You know, they'll, they'll pick a night like that game against Vancouver, I mean, against the Islanders that night. And, and, and even, I guess, you, you look back and, and how, you know, New Jersey, you know, they battled back against New Jersey. They lost 5-4 in overtime. But I'm sure for, for Quinn Hughes going against Brother Jack, you know, he's telling his boys, come on, man. Like, come on, guys. You know, do me a solid here. I'm sure he had money on the board that night. You know, he's never beaten his brother yet, in whether it's been in college or, or the pro. So there are times where this team shows you, you know, that they can compete. But there's just not enough there. And, and I just wonder mentally, you know, how much is really left in the tank. Great stuff as always, JD. Uh, got a roll, but appreciate the time, my friend. Always a pleasure, bud. Have a good one. We will talk to you next week. Jonathan Davis is our Pacific Division insider. Joining us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers. For your team, visit your Calgary local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. That'll wrap us up this hour on Flamestock for Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. Taylor and Cam have been our producers. And uh, you have yourself a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. Thanks, Wes. Yeah, you too, buddy. Uh, That'll do it for the Sports Drive. Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Unlock your home with the touch of your phone. Upgrade to smart locks online at calgarylockandsafe.com.